Here we are again with uh, AmeriCorps Connections, and we are celebrating Earth Month, and we have another exciting guest with us today, Kawan. I just told you I was going to say it. Vizi. Kawan Vizi. You got it. Yes. <laughs> I'm winning at all things. Um, I'm very excited to dive into his story um, and learn more about everything you did during your service year. But before we get started, I'm just going to remind everybody that I'm Nikki Fiaco and I'm the brainchild for AmeriCorps Connects. And I've been wanting to connect with AmeriCorps alumni for years and years and years. And I just finally pulled the trigger um, back in February of 2023 and decided well, heck, I'm just going to get amazing people on here and learn their stories and talk talk with them. And, and hopefully we'll find connections um, virtually and in person. I think some things are already happening. So I'm very excited to continue these conversations. Um, and for the month of April, we are celebrating Earth Month. It's also Volunteer Month, so we can talk about volunteering as well. Um, and I'm just hoping that through these conversations, y'all are inspired to take some sort of action or um, do something around the environment, either locally or globally or whatever you feel so moved to do. I also, for those folks that maybe haven't had a service year, I'm hoping that you you learn a little bit about what might be out there, what's possible through a service year with AmeriCorps. There's so many different ways of serving. Um, you don't have to do NCCC. If you want to do something for the environment, you can do state, uh, state and national, which was what I did, um, and I did environmental education. Um, so again, I'm just hoping through these conversations and these stories that um, you're inspired to take some action, whether it's service or volunteerism or petition or run for office. I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever your as, as aspirations are. Um, so with all of that, I'm going to turn it over to Kawan. Um, and Kawan, you served two years with the Green City Forest, and that's a program for um, 18 to 27 year olds. But I am not familiar with that program in one bit. So I'm going to turn it over to you and uh, have you give us your bio and talk about your service year and um, we'll go from there. No problem. Um, so yeah, my name is Kwan Beasy. Oh. I am 23 years old and I was a part of the AmeriCorps program, Green City Force for two years, uh, 2021 to 2023. Uh, where I started off as a core member and worked my way up to an EcoHub fellow, which is basically a supervisor slash teacher role. Um, the program has six farms in the boroughs of New York City, uh, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, and the Bronx. Uh, but I mainly served in three particular farms, one farm in Howard Houses, which is in Brooklyn, another farm in Bayview Houses, which is also in Brooklyn. And then I ended my last term on a farm in Harlem, Manhattan, in Wagner House's farm. And you could catch me doing anything from giving out, growing and giving out food from scratch for completely free of charge, um, running events uh, such as like, we, we had a harvest fest every year on uh, October, which is basically like this big event where we have all the kids and their parents come out and we do face painting, we give out pumpkins, we have haystacks, we design, we make the farm look really, really cool and Halloween-ish. So I did a, a multitude of things there um, and I taught a bunch of people how to farm in my second year. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You went into this program 
and you became a farmer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is so tell me what your decision making was up to the point of like, yes, I want to enter this program and learn how to do urban far- urban farming. Like what was the motivation behind that? Okay, so I'm gonna be completely fully transparent. Let's I didn't do know this. Anything about farming. Um, I had like brief, very, very brief like dealings with like the agriculture world. I worked for like uh, um a environmental company for like two months as part of an internship, but like that was like as far as my knowledge went with that. Um and my motivation for actually selecting this program, honestly, it was one year post-pandemic. So it was 2021. And you know, I had been out of work for like the full year for the pandemic, as was a lot of people. Um and I just really wanted to get up and get out there and do something and do something new. Cause it put me, the pandemic put a lot of things into perspective that, you know, anything could shut down at any time. So you need to live your life right now. So I wanted to get a new experience. And I never really thought of myself as someone who was a like physical labor type of person. It, it wasn't really my speed. I never thought it would be my speed, but I was like, you know, let me try this once and see how it goes. And I ended up actually really, really loving it. And I can't, I always tell every everyone everywhere I go that I'm a farmer now. <laughs> and uh, I would go back to it in an instance. Well, that is so that I, I want to ask you more things about farming, but I want to take this opportunity to, you know, we're going to leap forward real quick without doing much reflection and we'll maybe we'll circle back around, but tell everybody what you're doing now. I am working for a construction company called Shore Constructions. I am their community engagement liaison there. So I'm basically in charge of uh, resident engagement and making sure the residents are happy with the uh, new boiler rooms that we are doing to help them get better heat and stuff like that because we're working specifically in these uh, low funded housing developments called uh, NYCHA, which is New York City Housing Authority. Um, and they often are malnourished in terms of like getting the same accessibilities that people in Manhattan and people in, I, I don't know, Queens, Astoria with like public housing are getting. So my job is basically to make sure that our residents are happy and to see what we can do to make them even happier. When you mentioned, um, you mentioned like uh, not having access to food. So I'm, what I'm seeing here is just a perfectly lined up set of opportunities for you to be the conduit to these individuals that will will respect you and showing up and educating and and um, teaching them about um, nutrition because a lot of the times people this is what they, people need to understand it's not that people aren't necessarily eating it's that they're mm-hmm. not eating nutritious food mm-hmm. like and it's oftentimes not necessarily their fault that they don't have access to more nutritional food. It's the fact that they, the calories that to consume to do something on a daily basis, if you only have access in a certain amount of income to 
to purchase something, you're going to go for a high caloric food, which mm -hmm. a lot of times does not have the nutrition that a lower caloric food. So um, can we just go there for a minute? Yes. Let's, let's just go there. Um, it, because the earth month, we are part of the earth and our experiences are physical beings on the earth. Um, the nourishment that we can get out of the earth, not everybody has that accessibility. During the pandemic, I live in a suburban house. I have a yard. I'm near the water. So my locked up, my not being able to go anywhere was okay. I'll spend a lot of time in my backyard. I will walk down to the river more often. I was so privileged during the <laughs> pandemic to be able to have those experiences. So when we when we're thinking about help us understand and orient us about the individuals that you're working with and then because of your experience through AmeriCorps your ability to work with them um because I think you mentioned like community gardens and stuff that yes. you create so yeah let's let's just go there let's 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 yeah. just stick, stick here for a minute so piggybacking off of what you said the whole like goal and point of green city forest was to put farms in areas that were malnourished, excuse me, sorry, malnourished in like the aspects of healthy food. Like we, we hand built these farms from scratch in areas that were surrounded by liquor stores on every corner, um, delis on every corner, a McDonald's, a Burger King. We, it was very strategically planned out where we put the farms and we were, working in the middle of the pandemic when the Delta, uh, the Delta variant was running rampant. Uh, and we were like viewed as essential workers, basically. We, we were out there yeah. in the, we were out there in like the midst of like, when it was really, 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 really going down, <laughs> giving out these foods to people that were like, they weren't getting access to food because they weren't working during the pandemic. And we were kind of like there as like an alternative where they could say, hey, I could get this food for free and I could still feed my family. I have enough to feed my family for Thanksgiving. Like we did a big Thanksgiving thing where we gave out bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of food to anyone that needed it, anyone that wanted it. So like, I think the program in itself is like a blessing because like, it really provided that opportunity of like help to people in need. Mm -hmm. And connection. I mean, one of the things that during the pandemic and, you know, what, what, and even before and after the pandemic, the connection, like now that we're doing so much stuff, so many things on video, we feel like we're connected, but we're really not. And for that human, I know we couldn't hug each other or anything during um, the pandemic, but even to just see a human, like, giving food and, and, and being able to accept it during that time is, is so magical and so important and so part of our human experience. Mm -hmm. And they would come to our, 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 we would have regulars every Saturday coming to our table and we would know them by name. They would know us by name and they would always come and smile. And it would be so sad because obviously we couldn't do like the whole like hug or handshake thing because, because of how crazy it was. <laughs> at the time but like just seeing like being able to bring a smile to someone's face like every saturday was like a highlight of my day 
That's so beautiful. So tell us a little bit about a day in the life of um, a Green City AmeriCorps member. Um, what did you do? Like, so farming is cyclical, right? So hmm. what what season did your service year start? Okay, so I served two different terms. So the first term I started April. So right before summer, it was like, so that's when we started they were already they already had a cohort before mm -hmm. that was already like working so we came in to kind of like do the transfer if that makes sense so that mm -hmm. cohort was going on their way out and we were coming on our way in so they taught us some stuff and we learned how to we would start our day every day at eight in the morning um rain or shine That's late for a farmer <laughs> yeah it used to be <laughs> It used to be seven, but they changed it to, they, they made the changes to make accommodations for people who had kids, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So they made those little accommodations, but we would start our day every day at eight o'clock um, and rain or shine, doesn't matter what the weather was, we were there at eight o'clock. Um, and the first thing we would do is set up our holes, you know, water the plants. Uh, and then we would spend like a couple of hours weeding, which is basically like just pulling out the dead plants that are taking nutrients from the, you know, the healthier plants that are growing at a faster rate. And that would take up most of our day. We would do land maintenance, which is basically getting rid of anything that was like making the front of our garden look ugly or mm -hmm. the back of our garden look ugly. Um, and then we would harvest every Friday, harvest the food, harvest and wash it with like solution, uh, um, like a peppermint solution, we would harvest it every day and we would make sure there would be no type of uh, pest on there. And then every Saturday we would sit there from nine to about two and give out food for free all day, basically. That was your service year. Mm -hmm. Wow. And did you, did you, did it just blow your mind to understand, like to, to learn about agriculture and like I can plant a seed and have a plant and eat the food yes. <laughs> I can do that like did, yeah, did you ever have a moment where you're like holy moly this is pretty cool I think it's a super crazy like experience because like when you think of New York City I mean like New York City is like mostly buildings, mostly like skyscrapers and all of these things. You never think of like being a farmer in New York City. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not yeah. the first thing that comes to your mind. So like when I first heard about the program, I was like, they have farms in, in Brooklyn. They have farms. <laughs> but like, I think it was like definitely an out-of-body experience because like when I first started doing it, I was like, oh my God, I, I would never imagine myself actually being able to do this. Like, and I think we all kind of like, all of our uh, members kind of have like that same out of body experience. Like, mm. wow, we really like did this. We really ran like a full service year of like farming successfully, giving out like 20,000 to 30,000 pounds of food every wow. So that was crazy for us. <laughs> That's so exciting. So do you, are you still in touch with some of the members that you served with or what was that, what was that like? Yeah, so I'm, so my original team, I'm really, really, really good friends with. I just seen them like last weekend. <laughs> oh, that's so, so cool. I'm, I'm super, super duper good friends with my uh, my original team. And then my students from 
the second year, I keep in contact with to make sure they don't need anything or if they're looking for a job or looking for work or looking for anything, they can ask me for anything. They all have like my number or social media or something of the sort of that. So yeah, it's definitely the whole point of the program is that we make the connections with each other so that when we're all outside of this, like, you know, you never know where someone's going to be 10 years from now. They can give you a job 10 years from now. So it's important to keep those connections. Um, and I recently, uh, at my new job, I recently got to put over a connection between um, someone that worked at uh, Green City Forest. And we're going to be working together on a project uh, coming up this year at my new job. So and that that's like the whole like that's so perfectly said why I wanted to create this podcast and just start interviewing and talking to AmeriCorps alums because now somebody knows that there's another another AmeriCorps alum out there in New York that you know has this experience and it's it's so important that yeah that we just keep we keep talking and we keep our connections because that's where we're going to get our opportunities and let's um touch just circle back on your so your first experience of your AmeriCorps year was you know harvesting and farming and working the land mm -hmm. <laughs> what did you do during your second year so my second year was I did help work the land and a lot of that as well uh oh looks like we lost them I'm gonna go get him back we got Koan back he had to take a quick break <laughs> <laughs> um, he had to go shoo the shoo the crows off the corn. <laughs> um yeah, sorry for the brief intermission. Um yeah, I did work the land my second year, but my my role for the second year mostly was actually teaching the newer people that came in, the newer cohort that came in how to do the thing that I learned in my first year, which was working the land and farming. So I was more in a teacher role and I had, we, it was 30 people. And then we broke off after two months, we broke off into our separate teams and I had two teams of five in that year. So I taught 10 people how to farm and uh, I graduated 10 people as well. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> That's so exciting. That's so exciting. Um, what are your aspirations for, like, where are we going to see Kawan? Where do you think, where are we going to see you in 10 years? What are your, what are your aspirations? I, well, I just started asking this question. I'm like, just curious where everybody's planning or thinking or wanting to be. Well, I kind of want, well, I really love what I'm doing now um, with Torah Construction. So hopefully I'm still working with them in some capacity 10 years from now. I really love what I do with there. I begged and begged and begged and begged <laughs> Green City Forest to help me get me some type of like role in outreach. <laughs> and they they came through with me. So I, I'm forever grateful for working with uh, the job that I have now with Toro Constructions. But in addition to working with them, I want to have my own business um, derived from what a something that I was doing with Green City Force, which was um, a thing called Wellness Warriors. And oh, yes, I want Sorry. to make I want to make that something bigger. And we can we could go into uh, more depth with that whenever you feel like it. But I want to I want to make that something bigger ten years from now, and have yes. that be like a company that's running. 
Let's go there. I remember our conversation that we had a few weeks ago, and that was something that I definitely wanted to circle back around because it's what we need. It is what we need. So let's go there as long as you want and as much as you want to share. Let's let's definitely do it. Yeah. So don't, don't hang up on me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Wellness Warriors is a basically a mental health group that I was a part of my first year of Green City Forest. I was a part of it the first year as like, just like a member. And then the second year at Green City Forest, I took the whole thing over as like the host and kind of like the creator of everything. So I had all full creative control over that in my second year. And basically the point of it is just to be a free space for the core members to come and uh, kind of like get healthy, get info on healthy mental health practices to help them get through the week during their service hours. Because being a part of like the service year, specifically our program, is not an easy thing. Um, we work in some of like the hottest weathers, some of the coldest weathers. It could be raining. Um, and then, you know, in addition to all of that, dealing with different personalities who are going through like different things. It could be a lot to deal with mentally. And so we wanted to create a space, me and my, um, uh, me and the creator of this, uh, uh, of this movement, her name is Rosanna DeLeon, um, who was a part of the program as well. And she, she made it just so we could have a space where we can feel comfortable and talk about what's been what we've been dealing with in our personal lives that's affecting us mentally from being able to do our service. Can you tell me, uh, tell us, tell the audience um, and me a little bit about what that would look like in the program? Um, is it one-on-one -on -one or is it group? Just tell us a little bit about like how the program works. So originally the first year, the only presence that Wellness Warriors had was we would do a Zoom every Monday at seven o'clock for one hour. Um, so it was completely voluntarily after work. So anybody that came to be a part of it was volunteering their own time because they really wanted to be there. Um, we were not getting paid for it or any of that stuff. And then the second year, we, we got a budget and everything so we got to expand a little more so we we were a part of like all of the special events that green city force were doing we had like our own table at all of our all of those events where we would teach people like how to do um we we did like um these bags that you put under your pillow with like these different type of herbs and they help mm. you sleep better at night or they help you like you breathe it in and they help you sleep better or if you have anxiety it helps with your anxiety when you smell it it would be like stuff like rosemary and lavender stuff like that um so we got to be a part of the events and then we also had plans for a trip that we were supposed to do um and i think that's going to happen this year without me um so it's, I think Wellness Warriors is going, still going strong. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's exciting. Um, and so where do you feel, so, so is there, um, is there like techniques that you help individuals learn um, just kind of in stressful situations or when they feel like the anxiety is going to come up? Um, what are some techniques um, 
I don't know, give us a couple tips. What can we do? Uh, so yeah, so basically we ran our whole meeting based off of the seven chakras. Um, and basically there's, basically we use the seven chakras as kind of like the basis of our meeting. So each meeting we would go over a different chakra and how to maintain that. Um, and we would do like 20 minute meditations or we would do um, affirmations exercise where we would write down different affirmations and we would read, read them out loud and explain what these affirmations mean to us and basically teach people what affirmations are in general. Um, and we also would come up with like different how you could use crystals to help you. So basically stuff like that. Um, and we would use all of those things as like tools to kind of like find like different practices. So whatever works for them works for them. Sometimes mm -hmm. the crystals didn't work for our students because they didn't believe in the crystals and that's okay. Um, we were there to provide different options for them. So sometimes the crystals didn't work, but the the bags full of herbs worked. So it depends on what works for you. You are speaking to the choir right now. Um, I did a whole um, meditation this morning with uh, an affirmation that um, anything and everything is possible. And I just truly believe that like, if we can, if we can really believe that we can be open to anything and everything, uh, all of our dreams coming true and all of the things that we want coming at us. While one of the things that I've learned is that like, rather than thinking when I have the car, when I have the relationship, when I have the man or the woman or whatever, um, I'll be happy. You know, it's like finding that happiness right now. And then things start to align in, in your actual 3d physical being and mm -hmm. a lot of times something like a crystal is a reminder can be a reminder of that right like mm -hmm. yes there are magical powers that come out of our earth you know i love that you brought up crystals because those are created within our beautiful planet um and there's you know there can be powers and and you know energies in those but sometimes for me, even just putting a little crystal or a rock in my pocket or wearing it a pendant or something or a ring is a reminder of me to be mindful. Like I wear sometimes a rose quartz. Mm -hmm. um, and those are days where I'm a little tough on myself. And I'm like, you need to remember that like you have to love yourself first before others can can love you. Um, so I love that you're spreading. Are you still involved with wellness warriors in any way? So right now, um, well, I think Wellness Warriors is still being ran in Green City Forest. So I'm very happy about that because um, that was my main goal. I was like, when I leave, I want somebody to take this over and keep it going. Mm -hmm. Generation after generation after generation for each cohort. But I, me and the original creator, her name is Rosanna De Leon, um, right now it's on the back burner, but I, I definitely think we're going to collaborate at some point and do like our own version of it, I guess, and change the name up and kind of like do it, do it bigger for New York City Housing Authority, which is my main goal. I want to get it involved mm -hmm. in, in there because I feel like there's such a big stigma of mental health and just mental health practices overall in like the black and Latino community, which is what 
the NYCHA developments are mostly populated with. Um, so I want to bring it there so we can destigmatize that in those areas because I feel like a lot of times, you know, growing up as a black man, people will be like, well, you know, you're not really supposed to show that, show that much emotion because it like, uh, it's not masculine. It's not the masculine thing to do to cry, but crying is such like a normal emotion that I don't know why we would be so against, against it and trying to hinder it because of stuff like femininity and masculinity. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to make it bigger and find some way to incorporate Rosanna on it and ho hopefully just stigmatize it. That's the dream 10 years from now. We'll see. <laughs> I love everything that you're saying. And I like, as you were speaking, I was just uh, like doubling down on the light that you bring. And I, like, I don't know if you all can tell, but right now I just, there's this Kawan, there's like this, like this light around you. And it's just, <laughs> you know, everything that you're saying is so necessary right now. You know, we're so hard on ourselves and we're so hard on each other. And it's those, those, those stories that we keep telling us and it's generation after generation after generation that it's, you know, it's time to really cut those cords and cut those, um, those ideas that are just, they're not, they, they, they just don't help us connect in, in the way that we, we need to, to, to survive on this planet, right? Like we don't have anywhere else to go. Um, we're all the same species. Like we're all humans. <laughs> so we need to find a way of like connecting with each other and we need to tender our heart. And I just wanted to just circle back to you mentioning crying. Um, mm -hmm. Crying is something that's difficult for me, but easy to happen. And mm -hmm. I will tell you for me, when I'm proud of somebody that I love, like doing, like seeing them in all of their joy. I can't help, but like be, I will oftentimes I'll be watching something that my kids will do or, or my beloved is doing. And I just like, I start crying and they're like, are you okay? <laughs> like, I'm just so <laughs> crying. I'm like, I'm no, I definitely understand that. Cause I, I kind of, I'm the same way to be honest. Um, I, growing up like I would only like cry like once like every four years which is like so terrible <laughs> because oh like gosh. because like I did go through like stuff that like a normal person would probably cry about but like it was such a like a taboo thing for like people like me to do at that time that I kind of like internalized all of those things and I had to put on this thing like mm, there's people out there that have it worse yeah. than me I got to just keep it pushing and keep it going. But now, like 2023 me, now that I'm like, I've, I've took the time to kind of do the work and do the healing and, you know, go to therapy and get like, get an understanding on why I was the way that I was. I'm very like, I'm super like opened up a lot more to like feeling that emotion and being emotional. And when things are sad and when things are like, I'm overfilled with joy. I can have that moment to like, you know, shed a tear or two. Uh, so yeah, I definitely understand. Oh. Yeah. I went through a training uh, with the organization. The training was called the failure lab and I'll put, I'll put the link in, um, in the show notes, but it was basically, it was so cool. It was like how to identify your leadership techniques and strengths and 
I, yeah, I'm not doing it justice, but through how you identify with failure. And that was just something that was really intriguing to me. And I'm like, Ooh, how do I identify with failure? But one of the things that they said, and it was such a good reminder is that when we do have a moment of anxiety or fear, something where like we are triggered, right. And it, something was it happened in us, whether it was physical or just even mental, we have to go through the process of like processing it and then stepping back and like feeling the feelings and then exhaling and getting it out of our body. But what happens so many times in the world that we live in is we go from one anxious event to the next, to the next, to the next, and we don't allow ourselves to even like exhale and, and shake it off, you know, or take a day and just be like, mm -hmm. okay, that was not cool. Even if it's just somebody being mean to you, you know, it's like on the subway or something like, where did that come from? You know, I remember <laughs> I was in traffic the other day and literally the light turned green and I looked up and it was green and somebody was already laying on their horn. I'm like, mm. bruh, <laughs> like I'm getting there. I'm, I gotta <laughs> actually put my foot on the gas. Um, <laughs> So anyways, this is so great. I could talk to, I, I want to talk to you more about this. Um, we're going to have to make a date to really go deep on some of this um, mental health and, and just, I feel like it's more, yes, it's mental health, but it, it, it's also tapping back into like every part of us as a human being. And we mm -hmm. spend so much time up in our brain with you know logic and you know let's do a pros and cons list. How about if we just breathe and breathe. feel our heart <laughs> right yes and before we move on i just want to i just really want to like take a few seconds to just say thank you to rosanna de leon because without this like without her this whole thing wouldn't even exist and i'm like super grateful for like her creating this outlet because she really really helped me a lot in 2021 with this uh program i was going through a lot personally in my uh relationship at the time and she really was like such a healing like outlet for me and mm -hmm. I want to just thank uh Giselle Burkett and uh Felicia Prince for helping they were the uh licensed so social workers who helped advocate to get a budget for us and to get this to be like bigger than what it was originally so I'm really thankful to those three women uh so I just the, wanted to say that wellness. before we move on the wellness peace warriors absolutely yeah no that's great and i can i'll uh, we'll make sure we get everybody's names correctly and i'll put it in the show notes so people can look them up and um and learn more um i feel like i could talk to you forever but i know that it's it's a it's a sunday afternoon and there's things that we need to do there's probably i don't know you probably have more to do than i do um but i want to finish by asking you three questions and okay. the first question is since it is an earth month um and you spent several years on a farm and you're still doing um some of you know a little bit of uh, work with the the earth yeah. um what are some things that we should be doing less of <laughs> if, if just a couple tips maybe like two tips of like maybe we should think about not doing this okay so things that you should be doing less of definitely i mean there's the the really popular one stop littering of course <laughs> littering is like probably like the biggest thing we could stop doing right now but like some smaller things that we could stop doing kind of like just stop throwing away like your food, like mm. your your food scraps. I think a better thing that you could be doing is like taking those food scraps to uh, 
different uh, compost sites in New York, in New York City or in whatever state that you're in. I know I, I know specifically in New York City, there's a bunch of uh, compost sites throughout the world and specific uh, programs for it. Um, Green City Forest being one of them. If you want to find like a, a specific place to dump your comp your compost at, if you live in New York City, there's one. We have a um, a farm in each borough, so y'all could just look those up. Um, and then what else can we do? We can we can uh, stop emitting a lot of gas by taking mm -hmm. either the bus instead of taking Ubers everywhere, because if we're just taking Ubers everywhere, like these cars are like emitting a lot more gas than uh, about 20 people on a bus instead of like four people in a car. Like yeah. we're, we're going to be like doing that a little bit. And then another thing that I would say, volunteer at your local community gardens. I, I was doing that for a few years as well. I did the Newtown Creek cleanup, which was basically we went to Newtown Creek and we picked up all of the litter and we we just we were out there for two hours tops. It was like a Saturday, so it didn't interfere with anything we had doing with like school or work. And it only takes two hours of your time. Um, you can find if you're in New York City, you can go on the uh uh, NYCHA Reese website and they have like a whole list of like different environmental programs that you can volunteer at. Um, just donating your time for two hours is a big help. Those are great, great suggestions. And I'm a big fan of co composting. In fact, I use it as an experiment. Um, like I'll dig a hole and I'll put something in there and I'll be like, oh, I wonder how long it's going to take for it to turn into something else, you know, <laughs> like just turn into dirt. I drink coffee every morning. Um, so I take my coffee grounds. And then if I eat eggs or something, I'll do the mash up the eggs and put them in the coffee grounds and then like put them or sprinkle them around my plants and stuff like that. So I love composting. It's such a great idea. And if you, I mean, you can honestly, if you have a yard or a small porch garden or something, um, you can use some of your scraps um, to, to uh, give nutrients to your plants. One of my favorite things to do is with lemon and orange peels is um, I take them and I put them in a jar with vinegar and I keep them in my, my cabinet for about a month or so. And then I put it into a spray bottle and I use that for my glass cleaner. Oh, snap. I know. I have to banana. Try that. Yeah, banana. Great. Um, it only takes like, I, you know, sometimes I keep it in there for like two weeks max, and then I'll just take the vinegar and cut it with some water. Um, and then another one I do is banana peels in a jar with water. And then that's potassium and I'll put it, I'll just pour the water on my plants, like, especially during the winter when I bring them in. So I could go on forever. Let's turn this into the Nikki garden, the Nikki and Kawan gardening show, <laughs> gardening tips. And just really quickly for the people who don't know like what composting is it's basically you just take any kind of like food scraps that you have uh some of like the most popular ones are kind of like coffee grounds or banana pills stuff like that and you you just bring it to like a site and then the people that you that you give it to they take it and they kind of like chop it up and then they throw it in like a crater of like soil and stuff and then after like two weeks it'll heat up to like 180 degrees. If it's healthy, it'll heat up to 180 degrees and then you'll have like some fine grain soil that you could put back into the earth. 
That's amazing. I love it. Um, so those are things that we can do more of. What is one thing that we should do less of? You mentioned transportation, um, not driving so many Ubers, but it, can you think of one other thing that we should maybe do less of when it comes to maybe like our food? I don't know. Your experience. Uh, I think, oh my God, not, I think a lot of times we waste a lot of food. So I think kind of like saving up, Saving that would help a lot. Sorry, my light just cut off. <laughs> <laughs> That's I had okay. a whole. You had a whole setup. I had a whole setup for you, Nikki. <laughs> I know, and probably because we're talking forever. <laughs> no, you're good. We could. Um, I'm gonna just go right here. Um, yeah, we can saving your food will also help because I feel like a lot of the things that we do just kind of get wasted. Uh, you know, when we're full and we just don't mm -hmm. want it, we'll kind of just like throw it out or we'll let stuff like expire. So like just kind of like keeping a, an eye out on the things that you have in your fridge and maybe putting the things that are going to expire first, like closer in the front and putting the things that are newer in the back helps a lot. That's great advice. And you'll be surprised that like some of the fruits and vegetables, um, you can freeze like, you know, we, like if they're starting, like I have a bunch of bananas in my, my freezer right now, just waiting for me to throw them into a shake and they, you know, um, they're just sitting in my freezer. They'll be there for a little while. Um, so you can do stuff like that. I have frozen blueberries in my freezer. That is a gift from God. Let me tell you, <laughs> they are so amazing. Um, okay. Very last question. Cause I, your battery's probably running out on your phone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm talking to AmeriCorps alums across the country. I'm about to have a conversation with AmeriCorps alum who's in Germany, and I'm so excited about this. Um, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're 1.2 million strong. What vision could you have? What do you think we could do as a collective who have had similar but different experiences, but we all come together similarly because we're AmeriCorps alums? What could you see for us? I was actually really waiting for this question because I want... I want as many people that sees this to go. And if it's possible, if it's in your budget, if you could find a way to get there. Every year they in Washington, they do a um, national day of service for everyone in AmeriCorps. Uh, I got to go last year <laughs> and I'm planning on going again this year because I really wanna go. I had so much fun last year. Like, and we, we do a big national day where we, like just go out, we pick up trash, clean up what we can clean up. And like, we just make it feel like an important day. And then we come back and we have food and snacks and we talk to each other about the service we've done. It's just like a great way to connect with different people from all over the world. So I want every, I want as many people possible from the AmeriCorps programs to actually try and make it out there this year. It happens every year, every summer. Um, and I will send Nikki the, um, like the link to it so she could put it down below in the, uh, the YouTube section thing. And yes. so we can all like plan something. Cause I think that would be really, really fun to like all get out there and do it. I love this idea and it's happening in the summer. So it's happening soon. Is it June, July? Um, I'm not sure quite okay. yet. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up today and I'm going to send okay. all the information. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, what a great note to finish on. And I love that. And I am 45 minutes from DC. So if it's a day that I can do it and it's not 7,000 degrees down there <laughs> in Washington, DC, no, I will definitely be there uh, as long as my schedule permits. And that way I can give you a big hug because this has been so wonderful. You are such a gift. And I feel like I've been given a gift because we've been able to spend this time together. So I'm also just a little touched that we got to meet each other because we were both AmeriCorps members. So right. this has been really special. Um, thank you so much for listening. And um, I will have all of the details that Kawan mentioned in the show notes. So thank you and looking forward to another wonderful interview with an AmeriCorps alum coming up here soon. Kawan, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nikki. All right. Take care.